This is Taiwan Plus on ICRT, your connection to stories that matter. Brought to you by the news team at TaiwanPlus.com. A warm welcome to Taiwan Plus News. I'm Inka Vat. Taiwan's government is stepping in to help the country's nurses who say they are inundated with COVID patients and are feeling overwhelmed and exhausted. The health minister is promising to put a limit on the number of patients nurses have to look after. But nurses are skeptical the new measures will be enforced. John Van Tries has more. Taiwan's nurses are under pressure amid the country's worst COVID wave. Now the government is stepping in. After talks with unions on Wednesday, it set a limit of seven COVID patients per nurse. That's higher than its original five patients per nurse policy. But it is a step back from the nine to 15 patients nurses at some hospitals have been facing. Officials are also giving nurses per patient bonuses. They're even trying to get qualified nursing assistants to help out with promises of money. The tone from the government has been conciliatory. Nurses' unions, though, aren't happy. They wonder how the government will enforce its cap. And they say offers of extra money miss the point. Making matters worse is the fact that up to 10% of nurses in northern Taiwan alone can't work because they have COVID too. The result could be a nursing shortage as frustrated nurses quit and aspiring nurses change their minds about the profession. If things don't improve, COVID-19 could cast a shadow over Taiwan's medical system long after the pandemic itself ends. Klein Wong and John Van Trieste for Taiwan Plus. Taiwan reported 104 COVID-19 deaths on Thursday. It was the first time that number broke 100. Reporter Rick Glowett spoke to Taipei-based computational biologist Chase Nelson about the rising COVID cases and deaths in Taiwan. He began by asking what the numbers say about the country's biggest outbreak to date. The epidemiologists in Taiwan have projected that anywhere from as early as next week to maybe sometime in July, the cases will peak. So it's really impossible to know. However, uh, deaths are coming up now. And in fact, uh, deaths, the counting of them, lags about two to four weeks behind the counting of cases because it takes time for someone to test and worsen and hospitalize. And so what everyone should be aware of is that the, you know, the deaths are lagging behind the cases. And what we should be doing, in my view, is to really continue to take precautions so we keep cases down. And the reason for that is to help our healthcare workers um, who are easily going to be overwhelmed within the coming weeks. Could you give us a sense of what the COVID numbers don't tell us. In a way, it's easier to quantify things that are countable, like number of PCR tests that, that are positive. But something those numbers don't show us are, for example, perhaps 40% of people who, who get infected with SARS-CoV-2 may be asymptomatic, that is, they don't have symptoms and probably won't test. So we're not seeing those numbers in terms of cases. Um, we're not yet seeing the deaths that could result from the cases that are being reported now because it will take time for those to be reported. But there's also, and I think this is very important, a whole host of issues um, that cannot be quantified. And that includes people who get long COVID, 
people who will uh, perhaps be reinfected by the next variant, like BA4 or 5 subvariants of Omicron. Um, we're not seeing those numbers. We're not seeing numbers that tell us anything about the overwhelmed and exhausted healthcare workers. What evidence are you seeing that Taiwanese people are adjusting their behaviors in light of this most recent outbreak? This is a very encouraging topic because, uh, by and large, it appears from Google mobility data that uh, Taiwanese residents have largely taken matters into their own hands when it comes to restricting their activities and limiting viral spread. So transit station mobility, buses, subways, look to be down by about 50 percent. Um, and things like parks and recreation and retail are down by about a third. So. I think people have uh, been really responsible to take matters into their own hands, despite the lack of additional restrictions from the government. And no doubt that is part of the reason, not the whole reason, but part of the reason why cases have not spiked as quickly as, as I and some others feared. To find out more about the impact of Biden's Asia trip, our reporter James Chater spoke to Robert Wang, a senior associate with the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington, D.C. He began by asking about his main takeaways from the trip. I think the most significant takeaway from his visit, obviously, is the intent of the United States to send a message uh, to Asia, to the world, um, and to China as well, of course, that although the U.S. is busy trying to handle uh, the crisis in Ukraine, uh, other issues, um, that it is still very much engaged and focused on the challenges that, that the U.S. would face in, in Asia. And how do you view Biden's comments on defending Taiwan? has always been essentially to maintain uh, peace and stability uh, in the region, and so as China or other countries begin to act in a way that endangers the peace and stability, the U.S. responds. And in that sense, I think uh, what Biden said in Tokyo regarding uh, Taiwan uh, simply responds to the aggressiveness, uh, increasing aggressiveness of China and is trying to, uh, is an effort to try to deter and discourage China from continuing to do so. So I don't think it's a mishap. Uh, of course, if it's, a, it's, if it's a mishap, it's been done three times by the president. But no, I don't think it's a mishap and I don't think it's a change in policy. And there were some saying that the Biden's comments almost overshadowed a more glaring point, and that's Taiwan's absence from the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework for Prosperity. Um, how significant is Taiwan's absence from, from this quite significant economic agreement? A lot of people um, have noticed, and certainly Taiwan has noticed, the fact that it's not on the list of those uh, 12 partner countries. And uh, so symbolically, it's, it's, I think it's quite important. But I don't see that as very, being very significant because, as uh, Sullivan said, uh, we will then work bilaterally with uh, Taiwan to make sure that uh, we, uh, you might say, uh, cover the issues that are going to be covered perhaps in, in, uh, in, in the framework. Uh, and that we're going to maybe eventually, this is an initial list that maybe later on, after we start initiatives uh, within this particular program, other countries, other economies can join uh, once the actual concrete initiatives are made. China has been sending an increasing number of warplanes into the skies around Taiwan. It's a tactic of intimidation, described by Taiwan's military as grey zone warfare. One radio enthusiast is keeping a close watch on these activities. Rick Glowert reports. 
Taiwanese radio enthusiast Robin Xu listens in on warnings from Taiwan's air force to Chinese warplanes approaching the island. China, which claims Taiwan as its own and has upped threats to take by force, increasingly flies planes into Taiwan's air defense identification zone, a security buffer area which extends beyond the country's territorial airspace. For more than two years, the former Navy radar operator has been monitoring and tracking Taiwan's southern skies. With help from flight tracker apps and 12 radio reception points he set up with his friends on hills across Taiwan. Xu has counted 317 Taiwan warnings to Chinese airplanes from the start of the year to early May. That's 3% more than the same period last year. He releases the recordings on a Facebook page and shares them with local media. Taiwan's military says the flights are grey zone warfare tactics designed to wear down Taiwan's air defences. China's war of attrition on Taiwan shows no sign of abating. And as the tension increases, Xu now plans to expand his operations to the northern part of the island and give a fuller picture of what's happening in Taiwan's sensitive skies. Patrick Chen and Rick Lowert for Taiwan Plus. There's a lack of good quality Taiwanese ingredients in America. In some parts of the United States, people have to drive for hours just to find a Taiwanese grocery store. But a small team of Taiwanese Americans are on a mission to change that and at the same time promote Taiwanese culture. Bing Wang has more. Taiwanese ingredients like this soy sauce handmade by the Shea family in central Taiwan, are difficult to find in the United States. But Taiwanese-American entrepreneurs Lisa Cheng-Smith and Lillian Lin are working to make such products more accessible. In 2019, the friends set up Yunghai Pantry, an online shop selling premium Taiwanese food products in the U.S. But the ones that we carry are smaller made in smaller batches so that allows some of the vendors to maybe put more care and thought into the products that they make so for example in the soy sauce every bottle is like a baby for them and that allows it to have a maybe a more complex flavor profile food is a big aspect of Taiwanese culture one that is often conflated in the u.s with being from china there are over 5 million Chinese Americans, and since there's no box to check on the U.S. Census for Taiwanese Americans, it's difficult to find an official figure for that community. But through its products, Yunhai Pantry is working to raise awareness in the U.S. of a distinct Taiwanese culture. In the U.S., we're creating like the identity for, you know, a runway for the identity of Taiwanese lifestyle products. People like have been associating with China for so long, and only now is it like, okay, there's a different identity for Taiwanese lifestyle products. And, and vital to these projects are the stories of the people who make them. The team behind Yunhai worked closely with Taiwan's small farmers, even launching a fundraising campaign for them last year when they suffered losses over a ban imposed on their products by China. It's very much about trying to invest in, you know, Taiwanese agriculture agriculture and to work with agriculturalists who you know care about what they're doing and are trying to do things i mean the right way will be different for everyone but you know who have like a set of values and are um, you know working on yeah like developing agriculture in taiwan in a good direction all their efforts will soon culminate into a physical store in new york city the new high team hope for taiwanese americans to get a taste of home and for others in the U.S. to better understand the culture of Taiwan. Kama Xu and Bing Wang for Taiwan Plus. 
Thank you for watching Taiwan Plus News. I'm Ian Kavat. For more stories from Taiwan and around the world, please download the Taiwan Plus app. Stay safe and see you next time. Thanks for listening to Taiwan Plus on ICRT. For more great stories from Taiwan and around the world, visit TaiwanPlus.com.